Father in heaven, uh, we come to you again this morning needing your grace and your, your mercy in you. And we pray that uh, you'd look on us in Jesus, that you'd pardon all our sins of this last week, uh, that you'd be merciful to us and pour your spirit upon us and fill us with faith and hope and love. Uh, bless us this morning and make us, uh, we pray, uh, more and more into the image of your son who came and lived and died for us. In his name we ask. Amen. Okay, so... Um, uh, we're getting towards the end of this series. Adam and Eve in exile. What does it mean to be men and women uh, east of Eden? And so far what we try to do is walk through scripture seeing really two things. Patterns and prescriptions. The prescriptions are just the rules, and they're pretty clear. Um, two of the most discussed, and we, we slowed down to look at them. Two of the most discussed, well, they're not the most important by any means, but just two of the most discussed are the ones about marriage and the one about church leadership. Okay, so we, we slowed down to look at 1 Timothy 2 and Ephesians 5, those sort of passages. One of the things you tend to see on this topic, and you've seen it, we're going to come back to this later in the discussion, you've seen it loads in, in, in recent times, actually, just the last few weeks, I've seen it loads online, is that people tend to be very kind of clear on the prescriptions, but treat the patterns as if they're almost kind of unimportant, second best. Um, and yet, when you look at how Jesus treats the patterns, he treats them as, well, pretty much authoritative. So when Jesus asks questions about marriage... He goes back to Genesis 2 and says, have you not read? But if you read Ephesians 2, there are no actual rules in Genesis 2. Okay? At no point does God say, this is how it must be when it comes to marriage. Rather, what we see is one man and one woman being united together. and you know, We all know that pattern, but it is just a pattern in Genesis 2. At no point does God say, and this is the only way it should be, or this is how it will be forevermore. At no point does God say, by the way, it is significant, this is a man and a woman, a man and a man won't work. At no point does God say, it's only got to be one of each, don't start adding in more people. And yet, even though there are no rules, no prescriptions, the pattern is clearly, in Jesus' mind, binding. In other words, sometimes the patterns of scripture are just as binding as the rules. And I think our tendency is to miss that and think, well, unless it's a direct rule, unless you can give me a verse that literally says you must do this or you mustn't do that, then kind of all bets are off. You can just say, well, that's a bit, you know, that's one way of doing it or that's one pattern, but we don't necessarily have to follow it and, and all the rest. It's exactly the same when Paul addresses the issue of church leadership. Paul, addressing the question in 1 Timothy 2 about, you know, who can be elders and who has authority to teach and all the rest of it, goes back to the ordering of creation. You know, we looked at that a few weeks ago. Um, you know, man was made first and all the rest of it. And you look back at Genesis 2 and say, look, there is no, there's not even a mention of ministers in Genesis 2. It doesn't talk about elders or pastor teachers. Uh, it doesn't talk about the church explicitly. So, Paul, how can you go there and think it's binding on a church in Ephesus some, what could say, how many thousands of years later? And yet Paul does. In other words, the patterns of Genesis in the garden in particular, pre-fall in the garden, are meant to be much more striking than just kind of vague indications of one way things might, might work. Now, I'm not saying 
therefore, that literally every example of every person in Scripture we have to follow. Clearly, there are people who do things badly in Scripture and you don't follow them. Uh, and sometimes, you know, there are just different examples of people doing things differently, and that, that's fine too. So I'm not saying literally every single person in Scripture we copy, obviously, but Genesis 1 to 3 seemed pretty fundamental, pretty foundational. Um, wh- why am I kind of laboring that point? Um, hopefully what you've picked up as we've been going through is that the, the whole universe, okay, the whole of creation is built with these complementary pairs. Um, just, I've, I've banged this drum endlessly. Sun, moon, night, day, land, sea, sky, earth. On and on it goes, all the way through the creation account. And of course, male, female. They're complementary, but they're not better, worse. Okay, so it's not sun, moon, sun good, moon bad, you know, sky bad, land good, or something like that. It, they're just complementary. Um, so some Christians, when it comes to the, the complementarity of the, the genders, okay, male and female, want to tone it right down, turn the dial right down, until it's talking only about marriage and the church. So the only thing really that matters when it comes to, to gender issues is the question of church leadership and the question of kind of the ordering within marriage. Um, that's sometimes been called narrow complementarianism, so narrow complementarity, where basically the answer to the question, um, you know, what does it mean to be a godly boy or what does it mean to be a godly girl, you know, when your little daughter asks you, um, the answer is, well, there's no difference apart from when you get married or basically little Emma, you can't be a church elder and, you know, little Duncan, maybe you could be. Um, I... That, that, that position tends to work on the, on, the, on the kind of argument that unless you can show me a direct verse that commands something or forbids something, then you, there's nothing more really to say. So you, you, you're going to discuss this a bit later, but one example of this I've seen loads recently online is loads of conservative evangelical ministers, I don't know why they feel the need to, but for some reason feel the need to go on social media and talk about how... Um, uh, basically how it's bad that Ukraine are saying men have to fight in the army but not women okay, there's no rules in the New Testament that say you shouldn't you know, get your women to fight too and it's true you can't find a verse in the New Testament that says um, you should only force your men to fight in the army and not your women no verse so the argument goes like nothing to say off you do um, women and men equally should be conscripted in the army I don't quite know why Ukraine needs the comments of English Conservative Medical Ministers, frankly, but for some reason, that's been quite a thing. I've seen it in, in several places, actually, recently. So that would be an example of narrow complementarism. Give me a Bible verse that explicitly says something, otherwise I'm not interested. But I, I, I just don't think, that's, I don't think that's helpful, frankly. I don't think that's, that's how the, the Bible works. These patterns are far more significant in Jesus' mind, Paul's mind, and I think they should be in ours. Um, the other thing, incidentally, that what tends to happen in that really narrow complementarianism is it, get, it does, the only commands anyone ever looks at are the, the marriage ones and the, um, the ones in one Timothy 2 about leaving the church. But actually, we've, we've seen in passages like Titus 2 and 1 Timothy 5, there are all sorts of other commands, actually, which tend to get ignored. But anyway, leaving that aside, um, what I want to try and, we've got three weeks left, and what I want to try and do in these last three we- we- weeks is just try and show that the Bible, I think, has a broader picture of the relationship between the, the two genders, the two sexes. And frankly, this doesn't make it right, but frankly, that's what almost everybody has thought throughout the entire of history. Um, now, as ever, could be wrong, obviously. People are wrong 
Um, but it's a, it is a very modern thing to reduce it down to just very narrowly issues of marriage and, and church leadership. Um, and also, to be blunt, even outside of Christian societies, you know, take the army one, how many societies in history have thought, do you know what, we should shove all our women in the army? Like, none, <laughs> as far as I'm aware of, you know, some mythical Amazonians, but that's about it. Um, yeah. So, um, I've lost some place in my notes. So, yeah, so what I'm trying to do is, is this broader picture, okay, uh, as, we, as we wrap up these last three weeks, today and, and two more weeks. Um, I started this series, I think week one, by stealing an illustration from Kevin DeYoung, which I think is a helpful one, as he's comparing this broad and narrow kind of complementarianism. Uh, he, he said, like, it, it, narrow complementarianism, the one that says it's just about those two issues. So it's a bit like somebody who's got two footballs. I'm going to anglicise his illustration, but... Um, Imagine someone with two footballs, and you decide that one of them you're going to keep indoors, you know, it's for the kids to play with indoors, and one's for outside in the mud, but there's no difference between the two, just arbitrarily you've decided one's going to be for indoor, one's going to be for outdoor use. Um, that, he says, is, is basically the position of a narrow complementarian position. Okay, you've got men and women, okay, and other than these two areas of, you know, gender, uh, sorry, of, of church leadership and of um, marriage... They're basically totally interchangeable. And therefore, it's more or less a bit arbitrary that God decided the man was going to lead, lead in church and home and, and the woman was going to be the one not leading in church and home. Because other than that, there's no real difference. So it's almost a bit of a coin toss. Where, what de Young argues is, is we're more like, men and women are more like um, rugby balls and footballs. Um, lots of similarities, obviously. Okay, rugby balls and footballs, they're both used for sport, they're both full of air, both made of leather back in the day or whatever. Um, and at a push... Of course, you could play a game of football with a rugby ball, or a game of rugby with a football. Okay, it's possible. No one's saying it's biologically, or sorry, physically impossible. But, it's, but there are still differences that mean that is not the way it's meant to be. And therefore, there are reasons sort of woven into what it means to be male and female. There are reasons for why um, God called men to lead in the marriage and uh, the church. Uh, and also, therefore... Um, there, are, there are outworkings that go beyond those two narrow, narrow areas. So what we want to look at these last weeks, tying it all together, really is that question. You know, your daughter toddles up to you and says, what does it mean, mummy, to be a, a godly woman, particularly a woman, <laughs> or a godly man, daddy? And of course there's going to be loads. Most of your first answers to that question are going to be the same whether you're talking to your daughter or your son, okay, a student girl or a student boy. Because it's about confessing your sins, trusting Jesus, loving your neighbour. Loads and loads and loads of it's going to be the same. Okay, so don't mishear me. We're not, you know, it's not men are from Mars and women from Venus or whatever that book was. Um, huge overlap, obviously. But there are some distinctions. Uh, next week we're going to look at men. The week after we'll look at women. And this week all I want to do is um, look big picture at some of the ways the Bible distinguishes the two. Okay, so we're not going to get to loads of detail, loads of application, but we just feel like seeing that actually God in the Bible does, does speak about them differently. We're not just humans. We are male and female. So it'd be quite kind of high, high level, as it were, um, and then you're, you're going to do some discussion. And I'm robbing loads of this this week off De Young. His little book, I think it's called Men, Women in the Church, something like that, is, is, is very helpful, I think. It's a short read, and if you've... Um, if your interest has been piqued by this series, then that would be a good one to uh, good one to look at. He's got a little alphabet. He goes A B C D E, and I'm going to nick it 
and just twitch, switch around a little bit, but, but lots of this is wrong from him. So, A, appearance. Where do we, where do we see differences there? Uh, one of the most obvious passages, 1 Corinthians 11, we looked at last week. I don't want to go over it again. But, but just how we present ourselves is meant to be different. So 1 Corinthians 11, you might remember, is the head covering passage. Uh, we talked about the way that um, it's a disgrace for a man to cover his head. A, a woman needs to. Um, and all, albeit that was a, a particular cultural context, what Paul was emphasising was that, that gender distinctions still exist when we come to church. Uh, Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. Um, I don't think it's a verse we've looked at so far, but part of when God set up a country, Israel, and gave them laws, laws which were obviously good, even if they're not necessarily all binding today. Deuteronomy 22.5 says, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, male clothes, nor shall a man put on women's clothes. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. Again, it's just always been there. God made you male and female, so present yourself that way. And fine, different cultures have slightly different things about what men look like and what women look like and in Scotland you can wear a kilt and that's totally cool and masculine and in England it might be a bit weird if you wear a skirt and all the rest of it but appearance matters Uh, that's because of course the body matters in the beginning God made them male and female Um, God needn't have done that he could have just made us human he can do anything he wants couldn't he but he didn't there is a design woven into us and the more we learn about the body, you know, compared to what people knew 2,000 years ago, the more we see that. It's woven even to the level of your chromosomes, isn't it? Every cell of your body is male or female. You know, a biologist would need virtually none of you to be able to work out, um, yeah, whether you're a boy or a girl. It's not just about genitalia or reproductive organs, although they are very significant, as we'll see. Um, it's, it's, it's wired into our bodies. So appearance, body, calling. Uh, hopefully we've picked this up on the way through. And there are different callings on the different sexes. This is what we're going to look at in more detail for each over the next two weeks. But um, think back to the garden. Remember what we said, Adam was made outside the garden home. Okay, out there in the world. He was made of the soil. Adam means soil. He's, he's the man from the soil. He's named from the earth. He, and not Eve, is given specifically the commands to work. Okay, and to guard the garden. Eve doesn't exist at that point. So they're given to him. Which is why when God comes with the curses, the curses on work are given to Adam, not Eve. So there are distinctions there. Again, I'm not drawing loads of conclusions this week, but just there are distinctions. Flip it over, look at Eve, or Isha as she is to start with. Isha who becomes Eve. She's made inside the, the garden sanctuary. She's made from Adam, not from the soil. Okay, her origins are more sort of familial right to begin with. She's named Eve, is the mother of the mother of life, basically. She's her very name, okay, the first woman, is all about um, life giving and, 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 and children. Um, she's a helper, Emma. Not good for a man to be alone. So Eve is made as a helper, an easer. Um, um, and especially fulfilling. Okay, if, if Adam has just been given the, the, the task of you know, work, work the ground, you know, work the earth, form it, just like God formed the earth, then Eve. Her, 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 like her posture is a little bit towards filling, just as God formed and filled. Well, Adam and Eve, there's a kind of weight to the two, um, two callings there. And unsurprisingly then, when the curses come, even though obviously Adam is as much a part of the marriage as Eve is, as much a part of the family as got to raise kids just as she has, that the, the family curses are spoken directly to her, rather than just to two of them together. 
So there's a difference in how they're made and, a, and a, at least a sort of posture difference in the mission they're given. And you can see the link there with the biology, can't you? Okay, if, if, if Adam's primarily been made to work the ground, keep it, it is not a surprise if his job is, kind of, is guarding, working. It's not a surprise that on the whole, men are stronger, which is made physically. Um, when we have, you know, we've got kids, as most of you know, and it's amazing picking up, you know, have, I've only got one boy, but suddenly picking up Henry, it's just a lump. Um, just, just physically denser than the girls. Pick, these little, whoops, pick up these little girls, and then suddenly you've got this lump of a boy. Um, and on the whole, I know there's exceptions, blah, 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 but on the whole, men are built physically stronger. Um, I think about the other obvious difference, differences, male and female. Okay, what, what are the, <laughs> you don't need a biology lesson for me, but strikingly obviously difference between men and women. What are women given that men don't have? The ability to bear children and nurture children, wombs, breasts, they're about children. Okay, so biology is linked in with this calling. And that's not, that's not insignificant. Remember Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, doesn't nature tell you that? So nature is meant to speak to us. We're meant to be able to observe and reason from nature. Or similarly, in, one, sorry, in Romans 1, Paul says that when men are sleeping with men, he doesn't actually say this is against you know, Leviticus 23 or this is against a particular Bible verse. He says it's against nature. So nature is significant in all these discussions. So there's the garden calling. We've, I'm not going to labour the point with, with the roles that we've seen, men as priests and kings. Um, unsurprisingly, if the man's meant to lead the, the household, that when you come to the household of God, as the church is called, well, again, you'd expect the, 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 the leadership role to be male there as well. So appearance, body, calling. Um, these next two are next straight from De Young. So I'm going to blame him for the kind of dodgy, uh, yeah, Desperately trying to find something with D and E, basically. Um, demeanor. Uh, one lesson is two. Paul says he was gentle like a mother and then encouraging or exhorting like a father. In other words, although these aren't absolutes, of course mums exhort and of course dads can be gentle, but in other words, he is able to look at the two, two roles, mother and father, and, and sort of see their some picture differently. Now, he's talking about himself. Okay, so it's, again, these are not absolutes. Like, you know, any man who's a bit gentle is given up them. No, 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 of course not. But he is still able to distinguish between the two of them. Uh, it's the same in 1 Peter 3. Um, again, we might look at it more, more detail next week. But um, Peter says to, to, to wives there in 1 Peter 3, look, let your adorning, your beauty, be about character, okay, rather than just external adornments. And he says to the man... Be, be gentle with your wife as the weaker vessel. And again, that picks up something of a pattern in scripture where, you know, you'll know if, if you've been on you know, uh, Godly Women's Days or whatever, there's, there's several passages people go to that are all about, look, let your beauty be about character, not about external adornments. There are no passages in the Bible that say to boys, hey, don't, you know, let your beauty be about, because, you know, we're just not very beautiful. Um, it's just not the particular thing. But there's plenty about not misusing your strength. Again, just distinctions here. In the same way that um, David can say to Solomon when he's about to take over his king, um, be a man. And that's got some meaning. He doesn't say be a human being. All the way through, they're distinguished. Um, 
leads to eager posture. That, I'm totally blaming. That's the young, um, total kind of uh, desperation to get an E in there. Uh, because of these things, A, B, C, D, then, then he talks about postures, which I think is a helpful word. Not absolute rules, but postures. We see patterns of men leading, sacrificially and caringly, but leading, and women helping, just as we would expect at the beginning, Adam and Eve, Eve being the helper. So we see men protecting, as Adam was called, to protect the garden, to guard it, and provide. So why are there only men in the army that God puts together in the Old Testament in Israel? Is it because God's a massive sexist? Well, it's not. Um, why is there so much about Old and New Testament about providing for widows and really not that much concern for widowers, as in men who've lost their wives? Okay, because there is, a, there, again, it's postures, not absolutes, but there is a leaning um, where the, the, the husband or the men or whatever are meant to be doing the guarding, protecting, risk-taking, um, and... Um, caring for wives, daughters, aunts, sisters, and all the rest. And then finally, um, this isn't a young um, friend of mine mentioned this conversation the other day, F frailties. Um, you do see at different points in scripture that men and women are, are, are kind of cautioned differently. Watch out for this and watch out for that. Now, obviously, we're all capable of any kind of sin, but um, Genesis 3 Okay, there's a danger of men being domineering, misusing their strength. Okay, and you see it obviously horribly worked out in abusive marriages, but you can, you can see it worked out in softer ways where men um, are uncaring, um, harsh, as one in, in, in 1 Peter 3, you know, be gentle with your wife. Um, you see men domineering over children, don't exasperate your children. It is, it, I mean, it might be somewhere in scripture, and I've just missed it, but it, you don't get that much of that language directly aimed at, at wives or mothers. Doesn't mean it's impossible. Of course it's impossible. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day who told me that an increasingly high number of, um, she's a, um, essentially a kind of social worker, she was saying increasingly, she's in much increasingly high number of domestic abuse cases where it's the woman, the wife abusing the husband. Okay, so of course it's possible. It's not absolute. But the tendencies are there. Um, you know, if you, if you run a, mon, a, a, a men's group, um, you'd be mad if you didn't do something on pornography because it's a massive problem among men. Does that mean it's never a problem? No, of course it's a problem among women too. But the, the numbers aren't particularly close in terms of percentages, okay, just because we're wired differently. And you can do it the other way around. Um, 1 Timothy 5, Paul, Paul warns um, the young widows, don't get gossipy. Um, his words, not mine. Uh, in other words, if you were running a gender, you know, if you were running a, a women's ministry or a men's ministry, they, they wouldn't look totally interchangeable. Okay, and if you if you were doing something on holiness, there would be things you'd think about particular to your your sex that might not be quite as prevalent in the other. That's all, all we're saying there, really. So there we go. There's an A to F of just some of the ways you see distinctions um, within within scripture. I think what we'll do is we'll go straight to discussion. Okay, if you've got questions, you, we might have time afterwards, or next, next two weeks is going to be loads of time for questions because we want to do the kind of wrap-up on the two. But um, I know I've touched it already, but that first one, have a discussion. Imagine someone says, what Ukraine is doing, saying men have to stay and fight, it's sexist. There's nothing in the Bible that says women shouldn't be soldiers. 
Think of jail. Do you remember jail in Judges 4? Drives a tent peg through his sister's head. Um, so, yeah, Boone, boo Ukraine. What do you say to that? Are they right? Are they wrong? What would you say? And on the whole, would you say, do you think we're more under pressure from the world to overplay or underplay gender distinctions? And then why? Why does that matter? Okay, they make sense as questions? Great. Go for it. Okay. Um, I need to give the musicians enough time to get set up and everything. Um, let's, let's, any, any thoughts on that? Um, what, what about the Ukraine one? Kind of, what, what kind of things? <laughs> if you really felt the need to say something on it, um, what kind of things might you say to that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, Jill, if you actually read the story of Jill, she's literally at home in the tents, and then a guy comes in. And fair play to her. Like, so no one is saying in this, um, first of all, no one's saying you're not allowed to fight to defend your home, whatever gender you are, as if it's some sort of rule. Of course not. Um, and so you've seen immense bravery stories, haven't, haven't you, coming out of Ukraine? Like, some of them amazing. Like, uh, the, the granny who took down a drone with a jar of pickles. And, um, <laughs> like, uh, like, so, so th- th- this is. I, I kind of I want almost all just I keep wanting to say, almost sort of feel like saying just, everyone just calm down a bit like not obviously you know, jail yeah like if you're at home if you're a, a mum and you're at home and Vladimir Putin wanders in and goes to sleep on your sofa and you want to bash his head in go for it like it's not um, you know it's not that's cool okay you're not gonna <laughs> go for it I, I um, yeah but that's just very different from saying. We must send all our mums onto the front line, otherwise we're horrible sexists. Okay, it's just different, they're very different things. Um, and obviously we're in a fallen world, so things are messy. So if someone invades your country, well, pff, you know, there are obviously some beings you've seen, again, publicly, some very brave women who've said, look, I'm going to stay and fight. Well, it's not about banning them. <laughs> but it's, a, it's, it's about callings. Um, yeah. And, and all things being equal... Almost everybody has thought it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the men's job. Think about conscription, you know, anyway. Why in World War II were we not sending loads of women to the front line? Because we were a massively sexist society? Well, that's what some people say, but I don't think it is. It's just a natural, natural law. George? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty horrible job. It's obviously horrible that anyone has to fight. Ideally, you don't want anyone fighting, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the whole, the whole thing... I've touched on this quite a lot. The whole thing that, hey, there's no Bible verse in the New Testament that says, you know, women can't be frontline soldiers. No, <laughs> there isn't. There's not actually a Bible verse that says, I don't know, um, that, that women should take communion. But you, they obviously should. You just reason it out from scripture. So I mean, there's, there's, there's not explicit Bible verses that say all sorts of things. Um, but if you if you do your theology literally on 
unless there is a very explicit verse on every single topic, you're going to get in a bit of a mess. Um, yeah. So again, I, you know, that's not to open whole debates about, you know, what about if I, you know, is the entire armed forces only meant to be male? What about dot, dot, dot? I know women have served in all sorts of ways. Okay, it's not me laying down rules on the front, but there is a kind of, there is an ordering that goes beyond just little verses. Um, yeah, on the whole, do you think we're more under pressure to overplay or underplay role distinctions? What do people think on that one? Yes. Concept that it's just something that we've made and it should be yeah. fluid and free flowing. Um, something that should just always not exist in time. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of very recent historically speaking stuff about gender being a social construct. I'm saying that, you know, it's, 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 it's created by society, it's not something in, inherently natural. Um, hey, Mandy. There's a huge. I mean, we haven't touched on transgender stuff because we looked at it a year or so ago. But yeah, there's a, there's a there is an inherent contradiction in the centre of it where you say gender is fluid, but by the way, I'm the other one because I like pink and dolls and I like wearing dresses. Like, well, you can only say that if you think literally the thing about a woman is that they like pink and dolls or you know, invading stereotypes. So yeah, the, the whole movement is incoherent. I think that's exactly right. Yeah, there's no, there's no. We've got no identity as made by God, redeemed by God, made in His image, and so you desperately look for something, and it gets increasingly fluid and niche. Uh, we ought to stop just because um, poor musicians need to be able to get set up. Let me pray, and then we'll we'll turn church around. Uh, our Father in heaven, we are aware of the, the the chaos in society around us, and we don't want to be those who can't see the the logs in our own eyes. Um, as we busily point out specs elsewhere. So give us humility, um, give us self-awareness, and we pray that we would go um, no further than your word. Um, uh, it leads us, but I'm not stopped short of it either. I uh, pray where we've either gone too far or fallen too short in our, in our attitudes, particularly to, to what it means to be men and women in the past, that, that you'd, you'd show us, um, shine your light, uh, to either lead us on or, or, or make us step back. And we pray that we would build um, godly 
marriages, families, godly communities, godly, a godly church um, that is a city on the hill and, and shines out that, that the goodness of your created order. Uh, you made all things good. And we pray that we would, even ravaged by sin, but we would slowly see that uh, the goodness uh, of, of your world shining through your people. Bless us, therefore, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.